Well, hello, this is Craig Hamlin, and you have reached Journey in the Word, and these are Journey in the Word devotionals, and I am so glad that you have chosen to join with us for these devotionals. I hope that you have also uh, subscribed or followed us on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, you can uh, you can link up uh, and get many more resources in journeyintheword.com, and uh, I'm just so thankful that you have chosen to join with us for this. We try to put these devotionals together to encourage uh, and to challenge, uh, to bring the Word uh, practically to uh, to light, and hopefully uh, bring a spark to your day in some way and uh, and help you um, in the uh, in the future. We're going to be doing not just devotionals, but uh, also have leadership links that are connected to this podcast. And, uh, and fairly soon, we're going to be doing some interviews with some people who uh, ha- have different life issues, different stories, different backgrounds. Some will be uh, leaders. Others, others will be people who have just gone through some, some different situations. And I hope that, uh, that it will, it'll be a time for us to connect. I'm also uh, hoping to get my wife, Jenny. We've uh, been married almost 25 years. It'll be, be uh, 25 in, in June. And um, I'm hoping to get her on the podcast and, and us do some interviews together. So um, I hope, you, again, that you're having a fantastic day. And I'm just very thankful that you have uh, chosen to join with us. Hey, let's dive into the devotional today. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, last time we opened up a series of devotionals in 1 Thessalonians as we looked at uh, the series entitled uh, Living Your Best Life Every Day. I know that you've seen books and you've talked about, you know, living your best life now. And uh, and oftentimes we think about the fact that we know that our best life is coming. I mean, it's coming when we get to be with our Lord Jesus Christ. And not every day that we experience in life uh, is going to be maybe considered our best. Uh, and, and it's going to be difficult. There's going to be a lot of times when we're wondering if any good thing is going to come. But I want you to know As a follower of Jesus Christ, God has given us a life that we can live to the absolute best um, every single day if we will be in His Word and really live out the things that He has for us. And and so the first way that we discovered last week from chapter 1 was that we need to determine every day to set a good example. There's nothing like making your life a blueprint that the Jesus that has been poured into you is being seen and experienced by everybody that you come in contact with. And you have to live a life that is, is abiding in Christ to be able to set that kind of example. So the life that Jesus has poured in you is being able to clearly be seen in others. Now, today we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, And we're going to talk about the importance of investing your life into another person. Investing your life into another person as a way of living your best life every single day. So if you are not driving, if you're not working out or walking your dog or any number of things you might be doing right now, but you have an opportunity to sit down and get the the word out or look at it on your phone, we're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Let me read that for us as you read along or listen along with me. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. 
But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives, because you'd become so very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day that we may not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. William Booth, the founder of Salvation Army, was asked to come to the main convention that Salvation Army would put on annually. But for whatever reason, he couldn't make it to this particular convention. And so they asked him, would you just send, uh, send a word to encourage those who are, uh, who are a part of the Salvation Army? And, and William Booth literally sent one word. But that one word encapsulated everything that he wanted the people who worked for Salvation Army to know. And that one word was others. You know, if you want to truly live your best life every day, find someone you can pour your life into. The most rewarding thing that I've ever done in my life have not been all the um, the sermons that I've preached or uh, or, or the, um, the various things that I've been able to do with programs or ministries or getting churches out of debt or whatever it is, um, the one thing that I have been most fulfilled in is pouring my life into another person and seeing the life of Jesus begin to take shape in them and for the strongholds in their life to be conquered by the overwhelming love and power of Jesus Christ. Paul, in this passage here, gives us three things that if we're going to make a difference in people's lives, then he, he tells us how that happens. And the first thing that he says in verses 1 and 2 is making an investment in others seldom happens when everything in your life is going well. Listen to what Paul said in verses 1 and 2. He says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God, and listen to this, in the midst of much conflict. We oftentimes think that I can give my best, I can do my best, I can make the best difference when I have 
accomplish something. You know, when I have uh, when I have uh, gotten much success and built my own empire and whatever else the culture throws at us today. But the Bible says just the opposite is, is true. It is when we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, it's when we have experienced loss, it's when we have experienced trouble that God can use us most effectively. Now, I know this is not going to be a super serious example of this, but God brought this home in in my life in a very wonderful way um, in February of last year, in 2020, before the pandemic hit. Um, I was able to go over to Central Eastern Europe where I started a school 10 years ago for the Roma Gypsies. And I was flying from Budapest back to Atlanta through Amsterdam. The flight coming out of Budapest was a little bit late. And so when I got to Amsterdam, I knew I was going to have to get through passport control fairly quick in order for me to make my flight. I looked up at the board to see where the gate was. I went through passport control, but passport control was absolutely packed. And I get to the gate. And as I get to the gate, I look around and there's not that many people around for a, you know, a flight back to the States. And and so I asked the lady, I said, where is, is, uh, is, are all the people here uh, going to Atlanta? Is there something wrong? And she said, there's not a plane leaving from this gate going to Atlanta. That flight has been changed to another gate. When she told me that gate, I knew what I was in for because I was going to have to go all the way across the airport to try to make that flight. So I began running in my backpack. I had stuff packed in there. It was falling out everywhere. I was grabbing it up. And I got to the gate where my plane was sitting there. And I was so excited until I looked. And they, as they were closing the door to the plane, I looked down and they were pulling my bag out of the plane. Oh my goodness. The only thing I could think of was... I've got to get home. I've got to see my wife. I need to see my daughter. I've been gone for 12 days. I tell you, I have got to get home. And so I began to just plead and talk with them. And they said, I'm sorry, sir. There's nothing we can do. Once the door has closed, we cannot open it for anyone. And I can tell you, some anger began to boil up in me. And this was not a this was not a fun experience at all. I mean, things were not going well at this point. I didn't know when I was going to be able to get home and all I could do was envision having to sleep on the floor of that airport in Amsterdam. Well, I go to the customer service and I said, "Is there a flight going to Atlanta?" She said, "Yes, there's one leaving in 4 hours." I said, "Is there a a seat on that plane. And the whole time I'm thinking, Lord, please, please, please. And she said, yes, there's one seat available. Now, here's where I really begin to pray. I said, God, please let that be an aisle seat. You see, I'm six foot four and uh, and those little seats in the middle, I could, I could just envision having to sit in the middle between two 300-pound guys, you know, just being squished in between those, those guys. But she said, yes, I do have that seat is an aisle seat. It's the only one available. Do you want it? I said, yes, put me on that flight. 
four hours go by, some phone calls back to back home, and I'm walking into that onto the plane there, and I'm looking down at my seat. It's crowded, it's packed, and there's one seat available, and it's mine, and I sit down beside this guy in his early 20s. I think he might have been 21, 22 years old. I find out that he's heading to Atlanta and then on down to Miami, and he's catching a boat. He's working for Carnival Cruise Lines. This this young man's from Bali, Indonesia. After a few moments of conversation, I began to get an impression of God. And says, God said, listen, I want you to tell this young man about me. In other words, I want you to make an investment of your time on this plane. And honestly, I was not feeling very spiritual at that time. And God began to quiet my spirit. And he says, I don't care what you go through. You can always share me. And it's in the midst of this. And basically what it was, was that God was taking me through that conflict. And that he, he you know, missed the flight altogether in order that he might put me on another flight sitting beside this one young man. Because this young man was Hindu, had never heard of Jesus Christ. And I began to share with him the gospel of Jesus, and he had never heard it before. Through some Google translating as well as just some broken English that he spoke and and all of that stuff, his face just lit up and he began to ask me questions. And I would love to finish this wonderful story by telling you that he came to Christ But in that moment, he said, you've given me so much to think about. And to this day, in fact, just the other day, I got a call from him and we keep in contact and I'm continuing to share the gospel and different things about the gospel with him. You see, that's what God is all about. He is more concerned about pouring our you know, his life through you into others than you are. But when you make yourself available to him, even when your life is not going well, God can use what the, the conflict and the situations and the trials and the stress and everything else to produce something greater in you, through you, so that others might see Jesus in that situation. Making an investment in others seldom happens when everything in your life is going well. The second thing in this devotional is this. Making an investment in others should never come from selfish motivation. He says in verses 3 through 6, he says, For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. You see, if your motivation is about impressing people or, or, uh, or making people feel good, then God's not going to be in that. You see, our motivation for investing our life into others is not about impressing the person to make them feel good, but it's about giving, entrusting them with the gospel so that it might please God who tests our hearts, Paul says. In other words, he tests our motivations. Why are you doing what you're doing? Are you trying to get another notch in your spiritual belt? Are you trying to make them feel good about who you are, you know, and wow, this is a super Christian. Are you trying to impress somebody? Listen, God simply wants you to do this for his glory and for their good. 
Verse 5 tells us that our motivation is not about getting something out of the person. Paul says, For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. You know, too often times we see people spending time with only the people who will advance their cause or line their pockets. We see this in politics for sure, in sports and entertainment. And we can also see this in the church. But Paul was very quick to tell us that he was not investing in the Thessalonians to get anything out of them. He simply wanted to pour the gospel into them. What's the motivation that you have? for living the Christian life? What's the motivation that you might have in pouring your life into someone else? The last thing that he says here is, in verse 6, he says that our motivation is not about impressing other people to be recognized by others. Look at what I'm doing. Look who all I'm in. I'm I'm mentoring. Look who all I'm I'm discipling. It's not about a show. He He says, nor do we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. You know, if we want to really be miserable in this life, then, the, then, then we've got to be, you know, be selfish. <laughs> I love the, the, uh, the poem somebody wrote anonymously sometime uh, called How to Be Miserable. Here's what it says. How to be miserable. Think about yourself. Talk about yourself. Use I as often as possible. Mirror yourself continually in the opinion of others. Listen greedily to what people say about you. Expect to be appreciated. Be suspicious. Be jealous and envious. Be sensitive to slights. Never forgive a criticism. Trust nobody but yourself. Insist on consideration and respect. Demand agreement with your own views on everything. Sulk if people are not grateful to you for favors shown them. Never forget a service you have rendered. Shrink your, shrink your, or shirk your duties if you can, and do as little as possible for others. Wow. I'm telling you, I want to make sure that I don't have any selfish motivations. And that's something that you have to pray about. You really have to seek God about that and say, God, why am I going to pour my life into somebody else? Is it for you or is this for me? Make sure that it's always for him. And that's something you've got to lay down at the feet of Jesus. Lay down your pride, lay down your selfish motivations, anything else, so that he might pour into you the motivation of simply pleasing and glorifying the Lord. Here's the third thing in this devotional on how to live your life, how you live your your best life every day. That is, make an investment in others requires more than mere words. Up in verses 7 and 8, the Apostle Paul says, But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but listen to this, but we were ready to share with you our own lives because you had become dear to us. In verse 11 and 12, he says, You were like, uh, for you know how, like a father with his children, that we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own glory and his own kingdom. 
You know, making an investment in others requires more than mere words. He says that we pleaded uh, with them, we encouraged them, we urged them to walk in a manner worthy of God. Listen, when we plead with people, when we encourage them, when we urge them to walk in a manner worthy of God, when our life becomes transparent so that the, the Jesus in us as, as imperfect sometimes as we can live that out, we then begin to, to display in front of others and we're able to share that, that, uh, that humanness and, and the failures and what we've learned from that. That's when we begin to invest our life in another person. Recently, my wife and I were watching a movie called The Guardian by Kevin Costner and, a- and Ashton uh, Kutcher. And um, in this movie, Kevin Costner is a U.S. Coast Guard, and uh, he is he's, he's topping off in his 40s, and he's not as sharp, and there's some, some loss that he's had that has caused him some real concern. And so his commander call, uh, asked him if he would step down and just be an instructor for a little while and then come back to being the swimmer and the rescuer. Costner goes and he becomes this uh, uh, this instructor, and one of his students, which is which is Ashton Kutcher, um, he uh, he he is he is a, a talented swimmer, and he's a little cocky and everything. But there's a moment in the film in the in the movie where he's broken, and he feels like he's getting ready to get kicked out, and he's kind of uh, you know lost everything he's been working for. Um, and Costner realizes and finds out by doing some research why Kutcher is in the place that, he, that he's in. And it's because when uh, Ashton Kutcher's um, character, he was, a, he was in a car when he was just 16, 17 years old, and three of his friends uh, died, and Kutcher was behind the wheel. And he felt guilt and he felt shame for that. And nobody really wanted to talk to him in town. And so he just wanted to run from that and do whatever he could to save lives because he felt responsible for his friends losing their life. And Costner comes to this young man, takes him alongside of him and begins to just pour the, the, the failures and the loss and the pain and the suffering from his own life. And begin to, he began to pour that out into Ashton's life and, and, and began to mentor him and to help him become the best U.S. Coast Guard swimmer that he could possibly be. And by the end of the movie, Ashton's uh, character uh, is, is he, he ends up calling Costner the guardian of the sea and realizes that he has given him more um, than he possibly could. I don't want to give the end of the movie away, but basically what he is saying is that he became the person that changed my life. You see, the real guardian is Jesus Christ in every person's life who holds up our lives when we feel like we're about to drown under the waves and pressures of life. But he also gives us that ministry as he works through us to, to, to buoy other people who might be drowning. You see, being a U.S. Coast Guard was and is about saving the lives of others. All of our military who defend, our, who defend us courageously make an investment of their life sacrificially. Today or this week, what I hope that you'll hear from this is that you too 
can be that person who can buoy someone else's life up. Look for someone in whom you can invest your life with the gospel, with encouragement, with a challenge. Making an investment in others keeps the focus off you and guards you from becoming overwhelmingly self-centered. When you pour your life into others, God pours himself into you. Listen, I hope that you have an absolutely wonderful day. I hope that you've enjoyed this this devotional uh, slash sermon uh, message that we have here. And and I hope that you'll find more of these. I have some preaching ones that I've done uh, where I serve at, uh, here in Georgia at journeyintheword.com. I also have some other podcasts, some articles that you can read. And I would love for you to subscribe or follow me on Spotify or, uh, or, or on iTunes podcast. Uh, you can also find these on SoundCloud. If you'll search my name, uh, you'll find my picture there along with my wife, Jenny. And uh, we, we're we just looking forward to uh, all of these uh, future podcasts that we can do. And I hope that it will be a great challenge and a blessing to you. God bless you guys. We'll see you back here next time for Journey in the Word. <music>